In just one generation, the internet connected people across the globe. And now, slow news days are a thing of the past. It's a lot to keep track of, but WHIP has you covered with local, national, and international stories. Join us for a rational look at a complex world. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. Yes, we are Rational Radio here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. I am Maya Tejada, and with me I have Irish and Dan. Happy Friday, everybody. How's your Friday going? Happy Friday. Uh, it's got, this week has just been really long. It's been really long and yes, tiring. Today I had an hour and one that sort of taken max uh, 45 minutes, and it wound up taking just about over two hours, so... Mm-hmm. That's that's the epitome of my week. <laughs> yeah, I feel like even though it's a Friday, it's like the last week of classes and just a lot of stuff is happening. The weather is getting weirder than it already was. <laughs> Final <laughs> season. Yeah, exactly. Like my Fridays are normally pretty relaxed because I don't have classes. But this Friday, though, was a lot. And I don't yeah. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm I'm doing all right. One more week to go. Mm-hmm. I'm no classes today, which was nice. Classes canceled for the day. Um, so no, I, I, I can't complain too much. One more week, couple assignments to, to hash through. And then we got, we got winter break and I'm excited. Irish and I are taking a trip to Disney oh. at the start of January. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, my family as well as Irish are taking a trip up to the Poconos for, for a couple days, um, right after the semester ends. So a lot of, a lot of basketball games. Well, not a lot, but a, a basketball game or two over the course of the next couple weeks. So I'm excited. It should, it should be a nice month once next week is over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sounds great. Going to Disney. That sounds yeah, fun. <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. Now, uh, my sisters are now coming with us because we're in the, his family, anyways, in the vacation club. So it's a bit cheaper for us to go up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, I'm taking my sisters up. That's kind of cool. And it's going to be fun. That's fun. Well, um, we do have to get news related, even though I'm happy for your your excited trip that's going to happen. So we have a little update about the um, the Dallas police officer who killed a man in his own apartment back in September. Um, the Dallas police officer being Amber Geiger, um, and then the gentleman that was killed, Botham Shem John. Botham John. Yep. Botham John. Yes. Um, and so if you're unfamiliar with this case back in September, um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but basically, um, Geiger entered her, what she thought, what she believed was her apartment. Um, and she winded up killing Botham, um, Jean who lived in that apartment. So they lived in the same apartment complex. Um, so since then Geiger was arrested and fired from her job as a police officer, um, back in September, the end of September. And initially she was facing charges of manslaughter, manslaughter. However, um, Faith Johnson, who is a Dallas County District Attorney, she said that a grand jury could potentially deal what, uh, quote, uh, stiffer charge. So now um, it is official that she has been indicted on a murder charge. So um, Jean's family, I was not unfortunately able to get much um, narrative around Jean. It was it focused a lot on Geiger. Um, but Jean's family, he, they want they have expressed that they want Geiger to be charged with murder, and they have also filed a lawsuit in federal court against Geiger as well as the city, saying that Geiger used excessive force. Um, so since then, there there have been many protests that have sparked because of the lack of public information. Like I stated, I wasn't able to find much on Jean, um, and also the narrative around the story um, back in. September, there was uh, 
there was it was revealed that Jean had marijuana in his house and people were talking about like why is that necessary so that's just a little update on that case um i know dan wanted to say this, something it's it's really interesting to me like the, the whole thing so something I, I was trying to look up to find out what what degree of murder she was charged with and just a, a little background of how how the justice system works every state handles murder in a different way. So, for example, in Pennsylvania, you can be charged with one of three types of murder. So there's murder in the first degree, the second degree, and the third degree. Uh, the first degree is, is usually referred to as capital murder, and that's you did this, you planned it out, um, you had intent on killing this person, yeah, you planned it, and you did it. Um, that carries up to, in most states, you can get the death sentence for, for capital murder. Um, and then usually there's second degree murder, and that's usually along the lines of like you can't really prove it was premeditated. Like you, you usually you think it was, but you, you can't really prove that, and that's punishable up to life in prison. And then in some states there's a third degree murder, and I'm not like very well versed in exactly what the difference is, but that one's more of like not quite the heat of the moment. Like it's a little more extreme than like voluntary manslaughter, but most times you can only get up to like 20 or 30 years if, if you're convicted of third degree murder. In Texas, there are only two degrees of murder. There's capital murder and then there's regular murder. So from what I would deduce from that, there's abs capital murder, absolutely premeditated. Like we, we think you planned this out, you did it, blah, blah, blah. You can get the death penalty in Texas for that. And then there's kind of like the, the second degree murder charge, and it's it's not even called second degree murder. I believe it's just called murder, um, which is why I, I couldn't find a specific degree there, which I guess is more of the, like, it wasn't premeditated. Like, you didn't plan on killing them when you walked in, but you still did it. Like, it wasn't necessarily a heat of the moment situation, which would be manslaughter, where it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm really mad, and now I did this. I didn't plan to do it, but something caused me to do it. It's more of, like, I shouldn't have been where I was. I, I didn't have the intention of killing Botham John, but I did. And that's kind of where the where the line goes there. Um so so it's really interesting. I mean, I, I personally think it is the right the right decision if I was the district attorney in this case. With with the evidence that's made the national news, obviously I'm sure they know more than we do. Um, it, it seems like a pretty justifiable charge to me. I mean, when you walk into someone's apartment and you end up killing them, I it seems like a pretty reasonable course of action that this is what happened. At least it's, it doesn't seem like she walked into the apartment and then was attacked and defended herself into, into killing this man. It, it's what we know happened. This, this seems to be the, the logical next step. So now we'll, we'll see what happens. But before we go, I, I do kind of take an issue a little bit with, I think it's hard when people, and Botham John's family, I'm sure, are going through a lot. But I'm sure they're going to try to sue the police department. And in that instance, I, I don't I don't think it's really, like, justified to necessarily do that. Because in this instance, I'm sure most people kind of want Geiger to be treated like she's not a police officer. And, like, obviously she was off duty at this time. She was not representing the, the Dallas city police when she walked into this apartment. I don't think it necessarily has anything to do on the surface with the police department. And we can have a discussion on, oh, like, and we've had a discussion before, like, um, are there a lot of police officers who, who may act under uh, prejudices and may, may have, like, racial preju prejudices or, or however you would want to word that? And that's a conversation that could be had. But in this specific situation, I don't think there's really a whole lot to talk about 
when it comes to the police department if she wasn't on her shift or acting as a member of, of the department when it happened? Well, the um, the article that I'm pulling this from is from CNN, and they did not specify um, or go into much detail if the if John's family was planning to, you know, do something against the mm-hmm. police department. Um, like I said, they did yeah. say that they um, they filed a lawsuit against Geiger specifically uh-huh. and the city. Yeah, the, the city. I would assume yeah. is the because otherwise, why why are you suing the city? Like, yeah. if if you shoot me, I don't sue the city of Philadelphia. Like, because you're not acting under the the instruction at that time of of the city if you're a city employee in which case the police are that that's kind of where i get it if you're going to sue the city it's because you're you're suing the city because amanda geiger is a police officer and that in this instance it's almost a, or at least you you should want it to be irrelevant in this court case because one of the reasons you face a murder charge is because you just as a civilian, you entered this apartment and killed somebody, mm-hmm. and that that's well, obviously see, not allowed. <laughs> I think I I do have an issue. Like I have an issue with with a few things, but just to kind of speak on that. Um, so, from personal experience, if if you're a truck driver, you have a CDL license. Uh, when if you get pulled over driving your own car uh, that doesn't necessarily need that CDL license, you are still expected to have higher expectations. You can still get in bigger trouble because you have that CDL license. So when it comes down to like in this case, he was acting as a civilian who walked into the wrong apartment. She is still a police officer. She still has that background training, and that's why she lost her job. Yes, but that's why I'm saying, like, I think feel like uh, claiming that, well, at the time she wasn't a police officer, like she wasn't dressed in uniform, she wasn't on the job. So you're still expected to fit a certain standard. Sure. And because of such, uh, I, I don't feel like it's fair to kind of bring up that she is a civilian, that she was a civilian. Well, yeah. What, what I, I mean more in a, in a legislature kind of way where it's like, sure, if, if I assault you outside— and I get arrested and WHIP finds out about it. They can fire me, but then whoever I assault can't sue WHIP because I'm an employee. Like if I'm if I'm not acting as a member of uh, under the instruction of of my employer, you can't you can't file a lawsuit against my employer when I'm just minding not minding my when I'm just doing something not affiliated with my with my place of employment. I, I think for maybe um for maybe different employers, that would be different. But I think she is a police officer, and I think that that is something different than like working at like TD Bank or something. Okay. That's a, that's a very different um, status that you hold. It's also a different expectation um, that you hold because even in the way, like um, Jean's family is saying that you know Geiger used excessive force, so that could go back to maybe the training within her her employer position, which is being a police officer. So I think maybe that's where the conversation is, is because it's not simply like oh. We're mad at her employer. It's because it it translates to how she handled that situation. I I get it. It just it, I don't think it holds any kind of legal ground because I I can't abuse my position if I'm not acting under my position. But to be fair, people have, and the mm-hmm. main argument for that is they will cop and allow. Oh, to and do and that. I I think there are major problems with our, our criminal saying, justice like, system cops and our law enforcement. Even on duty. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yes. I but th- there also comes most of the time in that situation is if I'm an off-duty cop. Like oh, what what we could use that example is say like somebody's robbing a store and I'm an off-duty cop and I step in and I pull out my badge and I'm like I'm a cop. But at that point, even though you're off-duty, as soon as you pull out your your badge and you're you're then still acting as a member of law enforcement, even though you're off-duty, and then you can you can use. Excessive force, and and maybe maybe certain things happen that we're not aware about. Maybe she walked into the wrong house, saw it, suddenly yelled police, and in that instance, like it, like obviously it changes things. But like in, in the main circumstance, you are if I'm off duty of my job and I'm not acting in any way that relates to my job, and I do something criminal, it it doesn't fall back on on your job. And, and I think it's also a little different because. In this instance, and I, I feel awful for Botham John's family, but should, in that instance, should the taxpayers have to pay a lawsuit for somebody who was working off duty? Because when you when you sue the police department and when you sue the city, that that comes out of your taxes essentially. So if I were to sue the city, if I go outside and I, not I don't know, like I fall in a pothole that's not marked and I break my leg and I sue the city for it, the money I make when I win that lawsuit comes from taxpayer money. So then it's situated like should should that like be a th- like oh Amanda Geiger obviously did what she did and she should face like punishment up to the fullest extent of the law but should the family be able to sue essentially the taxpayers for something somebody did when they were not on like city time. Well, I think like legally yes. Like I think obviously everyone has the opportunity to like file a lawsuit whether I don't think it's valid or you think it's valid, well, you know. That's what I think. is it is it a valid argument? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I I went off the rails a little bit with should <laughs> should the taxpayers have to pay it, but it's still an instance where should should you be able to file a lawsuit on an employer when when somebody wasn't acting on employer time? I mean, there's also this situation too that the Dallas Police Association actually came out and essentially said that, oh, well, Amanda Geigel may have done what she did because she was overworked, which kind of falls back on them. But that's there's a big difference between overworked and excessive force. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Um, we have to go to our first commercial break. But when we get back, we're going to be talking about some more news as we do. But for right now, we're leaving you with a little news update. So enjoy this little break and stay tuned. From WHIP News, I'm Amelia Winger. Today is Friday, November 30th, and this is your WHIP News Update. President Trump's former lawyer, Michael D. Cohen, stated in court on Thursday that he had participated in multiple negotiations regarding a Russian construction project for Trump significantly later in the 2016 presidential campaign than he had previously admitted to, according to the New York Times. Through this revelation, Cohen clarified that he had lied to Congress in January 2016 when he stated that he had terminated his involvement in the negotiations to build a tower in Moscow for Trump with the negotiations continuing well into June of 2016. In response to this, Trump claimed that Cohen was lying in an attempt to reduce his four to five year prison sentence from his earlier plea agreement. Just hours after Cohen's confession on Thursday, President Trump canceled his planned meeting with Russian President Vladimir V. Putin, according to the New York Times. Stating that he had based his decision on the continuing naval standoff between Russia and the Ukraine, Trump announced his plan to cancel the meeting on Twitter while en route to the Group of 20 summit in Buenos Aires, Argentina. The tweet came only an hour after Trump had confirmed to reporters that he expected to go through with the meeting as planned, with the Kremlin stating that it had not been notified about the cancellation prior to the tweet. From WHIP News, I'm Amelia Winger, and this has been your WHIP News Update. 
And we are back at on Rational Radio here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. I am Maya. I have with me Irish and Dan. And we're talking about some more news. Um, this particular one, Dan knows a lot about. So uh, we're going to talk. You, you can lead it, Dan. <laughs> okay, sure. So so essentially the, the situation where we're going to talk about here happened in, in Seattle, West Coast, over in Washington. And so just to kind of break down the situation a little bit, uh, allegedly somebody was kind of walking down the street, um, walked by someone's house, thought they heard someone scream. So they called the, the local police department, hey, I, I heard something happening in this house. Maybe you want to go check it out. Uh, police show up to the house. Every, everything kind of seems okay at the outside, not really hearing a whole lot. Um, but they, they knock on the door to do like a, a wellness check of sorts, essentially. So they knock on the door. Um, and they say to the, I guess a man looks through the peephole. It's kind of like, what do you want? And they're like, hey, we'd like to come in and, and check and make sure everything's okay. Somebody said they heard a women's, woman screaming. And essentially the man is like, well, nothing going on here. No, you can't come in. Leave me alone. Uh, and not in those words, but that's essentially what happens. So the cops kind of don't really take that for an answer. Or like, no, like let us in. And the man is essentially like, no, I, I'm not going to unlock my door and let you in. Um, so a 15-minute standoff ensues where essentially for 15 minutes the police are like, let me in. And the man's like, no. Um, until allegedly the police hear, hear glass breaking inside, bust down the door, and enter. Um, when they enter, everyone in, inside is okay. Nothing's really happening. Um, they arrest the man for, for obstructing justice and not letting them in. Um, the, the case goes to trial. He's found guilty. Um, so now the, the man is appealing it, and from what I understand, it's gone all the way up to the, the Washington Supreme Court, where essentially what, what's being debated is does this man or does anyone have to open the door if the police show up and ask him to? And, and what's important in, in this debate more specifically is that the police did not hear anything outside. So the police show up, not every, everything's all quiet, peaceful, whatever. They, they want to do a wellness check, and a wellness check is isn't out of the ordinary, but the question essentially becomes, does the homeowner have the right to refuse uh, essentially said wellness check? Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of where I throw it over to you guys because mm-hmm. it's it's a really interesting debate. I um, I guess for me, I'm, I'm interested to see, or rather my question is, is like, hasn't this always been kind of a conversation of just like what is kind of my property that I sure, yes. that I that I don't have to show you if you are of authority without a warrant because yeah. in this instance the police do not have a warrant to enter your house so when is the line where and, and just a, a quick disclaimer here the argument is not whether or not the police had the right to break down the door it, it essentially has been decided that the police did nothing wrong by entering the house the question is, did the man have to let them in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without them breaking down the door, essentially? Yeah. I, I'm, but I, I, back to my original thing, I think it's just one of those things of, like, has this conversation always kind of existed of, like, without a warrant? And I, I guess um, for me, um, I don't know. I, I think I'm still understanding things right now and still trying to gather my thoughts. So I'll let you go, Iris. Yeah, I think this is a situation where they are both in the light. Like you said, like, police do have a right to do a wellness check, especially if they genuinely believe um, something is up. Yeah, someone is in danger. Yeah, but it also kind of goes into question, well, where is that line that, like, are they able to just be like, oh, no, like, we reasonably believe this when, uh, if this conviction goes through. And an interesting part, I read, essentially this conviction would 
allow like would it not allow you to decline an officer for uh, wanting to check your phone or even go, I mean, your garage, or even going as far as to unlock your phone. It, it People are saying it's a slippery slope. Like, it, yeah. where, where do you, where is the line drawn or where police think they can get to easily destroyable evidence is essentially the debate. Because in the house where you, where you enter your house and they hear glass breaking, like, oh, like, we, we may think you're destroying evidence. And, oh, if we leave and get a warrant, you may delete whatever is on your phone or you may move whatever is in your garage. And, and where's the line of, yeah, when do you have to, when do you have to open up? And wh- where does that opening up stop? I think, though, um, also with this question, though, like, I, I don't think this question can be asked, like, on a sole, like, um, objective standpoint because of the way in which... Um, police officers like we had mentioned with like the Dallas police officer and like the employer and stuff like that when in the past police officers have used their authority to use to to be excessive to do things that are not necessarily like rightfully so so I think to ask that question I think sure if we listen if we look at it from like a plateau perspective sure we could find an answer but we have to also consider the current state of like criminal justice and all of those stuff all that baggage where yeah. where, where do my rights end or essentially the question here yeah, I think that's like the biggest problem for me, honestly, is regarding the phones because a lot of cases we've seen where it was blatant uh, police brutality has come from video footage, especially from phones. And that that goes even further, where it's like there's there's also you can take this debate into into intellectual property, and that's the debate a lot of people have having with cell phone um, specifically is because there have been court cases that have ruled there is a big difference when it comes to being compelled to unlock your phone, whether you have a numbered passcode or your thumbprint, because essentially the way it decides is your thumbprint is not necessarily your intellectual property, so you you can be compelled easier to unlock your phone with your thumbprint. Then you can if it's a number because that number can be more significant to something else that maybe police don't have the right to know than your identification in your thumbprint. So there's so actually people who encourage you if you, to not use the thumbprint on your phone because if you were to be arrested, it's easier to compel you to unlock it um, if it's if the passcode is your thumbprint. That's really interesting. I've actually I've never I've never heard yeah. that before. Or there's the thing where it's like if you do get arrested, turn off your phone. Because if you turn mm-hmm. off your phone, when you reset it, the thumbprint unlock doesn't work. Oh, this is true. You need to have use the backup code. And, and that's there. You can have all kinds of debates on, oh, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. What, there's a lot of people who kind of use that. But it, it, it does go to the whole debate on when is your property your property and when can you be compelled to open it up? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, honestly, just the argument you brought up where a lot of people argue if you have nothing to feel then what's the problem is i I still have a right to that privacy and the minute we start 1984 (laughs) yeah and like but that's the same argument i feel like these same people make with the second amendment will even though back then when the second amendment was written it took like what 10 15 minutes to reload your gun as opposed to uh, today, where we have automatic weapons that can shoot so much faster. Rounds per second. Kind of. Yeah, and it's the same people who argue that they have that Second Amendment right that argue, well, if you have nothing to feel. Because I, st- I do still have the right to privacy, and I have the right to uh, 
even like the Fifth Amendment, where I don't have to say anything, I feel like that kind of starts to infringe on that. Well, are you allowed to demand that I say something to the point where I can't plead the Fifth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting, and like like Maya said, I mean, the current political climate has a lot to do with it. You can take this down even to the basic traffic stop on how people encourage you to know your rights. Do you have to step out of the car? Do you have to allow the officer to search your car? Without like obviously no you you don't in most circumstances if you're not being arrested you you don't have to step out of the car but then there's also the line on should you do it what should you open up what what rights should you almost give up on on a on a day to day circumstance to not look guilty because yeah. there's even the oh well if I if I don't let you search my car. Well, why aren't you letting me search your car? And ideally, you're not supposed to be penalized for not allowing someone to search your car. Yeah. But we, we all know people make judgments based off off of different actions that maybe they shouldn't. Same way in a court case, they say, like, you have the right to not appear in court if you're the defendant. But some people say, well, how does it look to the jury if you don't get up on the stand? Mm-hmm. And it's not supposed to have an impact, but not everyone can separate everything. Yeah. So it, there's there's always that that line of and i think that's my like back to my original statement of like um again we can't necessarily like answer that question wholeheartedly without you know addressing or even acknowledging all of the factors that you just stated um so i don't i don't even i don't know like if there is like a solid answer or you know and and does it make a difference if the police claim they heard something like 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 say this is a different situation and the police are walking down the street and hears allegedly hear someone scream Mm-hmm. Then you have to open the door. See, I also feel like this goes back a lot to like the stop and frisk, uh, risk, stop and frisk policy that yeah. was, I believe, recently outlawed in New York City because a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. So because uh, a report came out that uh, over ninety percent of the people stopped. It was about I think four point one million people were stopped in the time that this was considered legally and over 90 percent were uh minorities and only of that 90 percent it was like 1.2 percent don't quote me on uh, that number that actually led to some kind of conviction regardless if it's been if it was a, a drug charge or a gun charge and it's like that there's a reason why that became unlawful because it did have a lot of racist uh, racial bias behind it and why people of color were the main people being stopped and it was it was a a problem on the fourth amendment which i think i keep going back to that because like i mean that is the debate yeah you have the right to your privacy even in unreasonable search and seizure Mm -hmm. yeah and i and i think that um that just shows the way in which that like sure if you say like oh all police officers have the right to any civilian's phone and like can look at it or whatever. I, then, then you go back into that that same idea though of like the the same way in which stop and frisk was supposed to be uh, somewhat um, like objective, but then it became subjective. It became that that these groups were targeted. And I feel like if we were to say like, oh, all phones are able to be looked at, then it would become that. And I feel like it comes off from like that personal. Um, bias and, and this you can extend this to anything I mean you can even extend this down to if you're walking down the street do you have to identify yourself like if if I'm walking down the street a cop stops me says hey where you're go not that this happened has ever happened to me but hey hey where are you going um I'm walking home well can I see your ID see funny enough uh question mark <laughs> like that did happen to me um 
quite a few years ago where my mom and I were walking down the street. We were actually walking back to my house. We were like right around the corner and a police van pulled over to ask us where we were headed and why were we out this late. And it, it was like, that's honestly, it's none of your business. Like I, I was walking home. I was walking home with my mother. Uh, at the end, he kind of tried to be like, oh, well, your mother looks young and you look like two teenagers. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's, that's a completely false lie. And honestly, if uh, my neighborhood's very people of color populated, and I feel like if I wasn't white in that situation, not only would have it could have possibly turned out bad, at the very least, it wouldn't have been our oh, ha-ha joke at yeah, the Yeah, have end. a nice day. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And even like even if it was, okay, like, we believe you, like, it still would have been rude. And and that, that's hypothetical, of course. But it's I feel like that largely impacts it will... I, I don't have to tell you. Do where I have to tell I'm you where going? I'm going? Do I have no. to tell you who I am? Like obviously, if you're operating a motor vehicle and you get pulled over, you have to produce your license. I, I have the right to be driving this car, um, so that that extends things a, a little differently. But yeah, if I, you can extend this debate to anything, yeah. How often um, do you have to let people into your house? Like, do you have to let people into your car? Do you have to identify yourself when you are walking down the street? And I think also, like what Irish said, though, it's kind of like who has to do that or who is yeah. expected to. Because, like she said, if she if she wasn't white in that situation, then maybe she would have been forced to have been like, where are you going? And and it, it it's back to that general conversation of just it, it's not very fair. And it also poses the question, and I don't even necessarily mean this in a negative way, but like it also it poses the question like, are police like always your friend? And I, I'm not I'm not out here saying police are bad. I'm not I'm not out here saying anything like that. But at the end of the day, like sometimes there's a line where it's like, what are your rights, and how quickly should you be willing to trust people um, to defend your said rights um, if you're not going to defend them yourself um, in that kind of way? So it's like, yeah, sure, I'm walking down the street. Oh, you want to see my ID? I, I have nothing to hide. Here you go. Like here's my ID. But at the end of the day, as as soon as you start giving up those rights, when are they taken away? Is the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I just just thinking of a lot of arguments against this. I know there's another argument that at the end of the day, police are authority figures and they deserve respect. And it's especially now that I'm a lot older, I've realized well, respect given is like mm-hmm. respect on mm-hmm. in that situation. And as long as you respect me and. I respect you. I don't think there's any problem. But honestly, if I want to be rude to a police officer, I have that freedom to to be rude. And you can't abuse your power because you feel like I'm being mean. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, I think there's obviously a lot of that that would need to be delved into to really flesh out this entire argument. Um, But for now, we have to go to our second commercial break. But we will be back in a few short minutes. So enjoy and stay tuned. And we are back on Rational Radio here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. I am Maya, Irish, and Dan are right next to me joining in on this conversation. And next, we're going to talk about a a face transplant that happened in January. Um, So Cameron Underwood, who is 26 years old, he underwent a 25-hour face transplant operation um, in January of this year. Um, And he went under the face transplant because back in uh, June of 2016, he attempted to take his own life with a gun and the bullet wound, the bullet left him without a nose, damaged eye socket and a large portion of his lower jaw and teeth gone. Um, And then the operation again in January involved a team of 100 
um, which was led by Dr. Rodriguez. And um, in order to recover, he has had to have physical, occupational, and speech therapy. And a little bit more about the donor. The donor was a 23-year-old man, Will Fisher, and he unexpectedly died on New Year's Eve back in 2017. And he was an aspiring filmmaker and writer. And um, from the article, which is coming from um, Sky.com, um, they also said that um, he had donated um, other organs. I don't know if they were, it did not specify if they were to Cameron, I'm assuming not, um, but he has donated other organs as well. So um, this is really awesome to see, and especially, it's interesting, the the recovery process. Um, I believe it was NYU who had tweeted um, a photo of his recovery process from like January to now. And um, I don't know, I think it's definitely one of those things that it's like uh, medicine is really valuable in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, yeah, this story is definitely very uh, uplifting and the point where like, especially he got this injury because of a mental health uh, issue. Mm-hmm. And as much as we want to say in society that looks don't matter, they definitely have something to do with your confidence. And the fact that he was already dealing with this kind of mental health and was is able to kind of get his looks back in uh, one aspect or another. is just... It's one of those things where you know that kind of has to help to a point. Like, looking the way he did definitely didn't help his mental health. Mm-hmm. And now, looking the way he does, it's it's a really, uh, I don't want to say, it's a really sweet story, I guess, the best one I can come up with. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. It's it's just a situation where it's like all, it's always nice to be able to see people get the transplants they need, essentially. I mean, you can you can call this one non-essential but at the same time, like like you said, like all of this stuff is is important, and it, it's just interesting to see it work too. Like it's like, hey, the, mm-hmm. the further and further medical technology advances, the better. <laughs> yeah, especially because I don't obviously I don't know how many face transplants have occurred. Not an expert on that, but obviously that's something that's somewhat fairly new, and there's it's not like it's being it's happening you know every single day. So to see it be successful and um, kind of what a success story not only for like the physical like healing and the physical appearance but then also like the more mental aspect um and i think um in even though you know he's going through like physical occupational and speech therapy all of those different therapies i'm sure along the line there's probably um you know some psychological therapy as well and i think that it's like a whole transformative experience and i think that that's awesome that's uh just to kind of update on some uh what you were saying according to healthline.com only about 40 face transplants uh, transplants have been done around the world since the initial operation was performed in france in 2005 oh wow so uh, the fact that there's just only 40 is really interesting to me because obviously you need a a large deformation to uh, probably be accepted into this kind of surgery and mm-hmm. the fact that like not everyone's going to be really experienced in doing this so it's just, like you said, it's just really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm also reading more from the article from Sky.com again, and it says that Underwood, um, who's the one that received the transplant, that he waited about six months, which is a fairly short amount of time um, to, to be on an organ donor list. Um, but obviously, like we said, being that face transplants are very, not like not necessarily the first organ that's being desired. Um, I think that's what has also contributed to his short wait time, but that's really interesting to see as well, that whole process from beginning to end. 
You guys have any other thoughts about this? No? <laughs> I think it's just pretty awesome. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we just wanted to end the show with something that's a little more lighthearted. And um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, Southwest Airlines has released has released an apology um, going back to an incident that occurred earlier this month. Um, the incident being um, Tracy Redford was flying home out of John Wayne Airport with her five-year-old daughter when a Southgate a Southwest gate agent made fun of her daughter's name um, to other Southwest employees. Um, according to Redford, who's the mother, the um, the agent took a photo of her daughter of the daughter's boarding pass and posted it to social media, mocking her name. Redford then complained to Southwest, um, and then two weeks after she complained, she stated that the company had not done anything yet. So then Southwest finally issued a statement of apology stating, which I will quote, we extend our sincere apology to the family. We take pride in extending our Southwest hospitality to all of our customers, which includes living by the golden rule and treating every individual with respect in person and online. The post is not indicative of the care, respect, and civility we expect from all of our employees. We have followed up with the employee involved, and while we do not disclose personal actions publicly, we are using this as an opportunity to reinforce our policies and emphasize our expectations for all employees. And um, the, obviously... Everyone's probably wondering, what was the name? So the name, their daughter's name is spelt A-B-C-D-E. And it is, according to Redford, it is pronounced Absidy. Um, th- yeah, that's her name. So that's what the Southwest gay agent found very funny. And um, I might too. <laughs> <laughs> See, I know uh, we kind of discussed this right before we came back on about how the worst thing is that like he... Uh, the man in question put the picture of a five-year-old up on mm-hmm. social media and uh while i feel like there's a certain extent that i can uh, make fun of names because uh, i've received quite a few questions about my own uh but the, the memes coming from this are, yeah. are too entertaining uh i know my favorite one right now is the her father fghijkl uh did not uh, decline the comment <laughs> Like, you guys are mean. (laughs) I just think it's, I, to some extent, I'm like, if you're going to, I think obviously everyone's entitled to name their child, whatever they wish. Um, But if you're going to name your child something that is spelled A-B-C-D-E, even though it's pronounced John or whatever, you're going to have to also, there's expectations that people are going to butcher it. People are going to be like, what does this mean? Why is this your name? Um, So I. Again, I do think I agree that the extent of posting on posting on social media that was obviously extreme, and I think we can all agree that that was not necessary. But the name itself, though, it's it's a funny one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not buying into the the controversy either. It's like yeah, maybe maybe you shouldn't have made fun of them. Mm-hmm. At least, definitely not where they could have heard you or, or found out about it. But when when like what was A B C D E is how you would spell it. Uh, I, I don't know how, like, if if I ever named my kid that and didn't think that people were going to look at it and be like, what? Exactly. Like, then just, I, I don't know. Can, can, can I tell you about something else funny, though, okay, since, we're, since we're on the more lighthearted note? So the actual situation isn't funny, but this thing on Twitter is. So to preface a little bit, there was a Frontier Air, Airlines flight this morning that was flying from Las Vegas to Orlando. And uh, the cover on the engine fell off after shortly after takeoff. So they diverted back to Las Vegas. Everyone landed safely. Now, there's two funny things to this. The first is guess what they did to the passengers to, to comp them for their troubles. 
they gave him a free breakfast. That's it. Like there, there's pictures of this this engine just with the cover ripped off. Were, were they really in danger? Probably not. But it's it's a pretty scary sight when it's you look out your window and you can see the engine. Like yeah, it's like right. so they, they gave them a free breakfast. Everyone's like wow. But the funnier part is there's there's on Twitter somebody posted the picture and they're like oh my aunt was on this plane and sent me this picture. So naturally then all the news sources flock to him and they're like hi Dan I I work for. XXL Radio in Tallahassee. Can we use our picture on all our platforms? And like that's coming. So everyone's commenting under it. Like, hi, Dan. I'm so and so. I run an RSL podcast about soccer. I don't need anything from you, but I just wanted you to know this. <laughs> or be like, hi, Dan. May I have your permission to use your lawnmower? <laughs> like people are just commenting different things under the thing, and it, it's it's a good chuckle yeah. because every time something like this happens, and somebody tweets a picture, the journalists flock to it. Hi, I work for this organization. Could I use your photo and not ever pay you for the money we make off of it yeah yeah so that's that's the second funny story of the day <laughs> and the, the picture regardless if they were like in trouble or not the picture of the engine without um the cover that's scary enough oh I, absolutely like at this point uh Ooh. you better be offering me not only money back on my ticket but when trying to get home, you better not be offering me another Frontier plane. <laughs> you better be putting on like American Airlines or something, like the the safest airport. If you all you're gonna give me is a breakfast voucher, and what is the breakfast voucher too? Like I, I don't. It didn't is it, specify. Is it specifically for some the plane, people did ask. So well, here's some of the replies. This one says, "Hi Dan, we're a Twitter account that likes to post crazy stuff. Can we have permission to use this picture as our cell phone wallpaper?" <laughs> um, and then there's there's obviously a bunch of photos. Oh, somebody put, "Hey Dan, I'm glad everyone is." Okay, I don't work for any media organization. What breakfast did your aunt choose? <laughs> and there's one. She went with a smoothie and piece of zucchini bread. See, um, so that's what you could have gotten with your breakfast voucher. Because, like I said, like what is the breakfast voucher for? Like all airport food? Is oh, yeah, it it's to an the airline? Air, it probably gives you up to a certain amount. So it's like here's twelve dollars. Use it to get breakfast. But is, but my question is, is it like first class food or is it like Chick Fil A? Oh no, it's, it's just airport food. To, to be fair, See, but uh, then that's like cool because some people don't even eat that. <laughs> like that's like not. Well, you could probably like you could go to one of the nicer places in the airport. It's probably just up to a certain amount. What do people well, have dietary restrictions? I'm sorry. I, go I, ahead, I, I, I don't know, Maya. According to U.S. Today, passengers were given a refund and a $500 voucher for a future Frontier flight. Oh, uh, well, that, okay. that wasn't the initial news. That, that's not as funny. I guess they wised up after Twitter yeah. was like, breakfast? It's, it's You're just, just going to give us breakfast. Also, I'm not taking Frontier again. I don't need your $500 <laughs> voucher. Leave me alone. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, apparently this also isn't uncommon, not just for Frontier, but apparently it really isn't that uncommon for like this to happen to come, like the no they, like it's just like <laughs> the, the cover come off the i guess just came loose so like it, it's still kind of attached there like it didn't actually pose the flight any danger you know Apparently. what? Maybe that's like my car. Like my right now, my car's <laughs> bumper is like falling off, but I have this huge like sticker that literally says "stop" on it. But like it looks a little dangerous, but it's really not. <laughs> it's just a little wonky. So maybe it's like that too. It, it's probably something like that. <laughs> but regardless, when you're when you're forty thousand feet in the air and you yeah, look out and different. see the engine, it's a little um, There's people suddenly have to use the bathroom in their seats. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know uh, this article also says that like people were like slamming on the ceiling and yelling because apparently they were the ones who noticed. Nobody else, like the cat, oh. the pilots didn't notice. <laughs> well, they probably have no way to know. Okay, but you better. Well, it, it, 
if all right, if I'm if they I'm don't, like, flying and check. the thing comes off the wing, how am I to know if nobody tells me? Okay, but like the fact that I gotta yell, like, because apparently, like, right, well, passengers somebody were going crazy. Just say, hey, Miss Flight Attendant. <laughs> you just press the button. I can, <laughs> see the, I can see the engine. Ding ding. That's funny. Oh, you want some orange juice? Please peanuts? fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> no, I don't want peanuts. The engine cover is off. Oh God. That's funny. Should there be like a protocol? Of, like <laughs> periodically, you have to check the outside, like just through the window. Like, is everything okay? You know? <laughs> yeah. Open the window. Uh, yeah. Open the door. Get sucked out. Okay, it's fine. The engine cover's still on it. We're good. <laughs> I find it funny though how like how like Twitter now has become kind of one in a way like creates things to happen like now apparently like there is that 500 i'm not saying it's entirely because of the twitter <laughs> feedback but um it's just interesting like the memes that come about it and like the awareness that's around it because it's really funny you know well obviously in that situation not funny but the <laughs> aftermath of it but now like you said like it somehow changed from a 500 voucher to breakfast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well it went the other way apparently at breakfast, first they're uh... like breakfast <laughs> and people were like really yeah. That's what you're going to, and they're like, all right. And they start giving us, keep it coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> like, I'm sure enough people were like, excuse you. I didn't even get anywhere. I would like my refund and to be put on another plane. Like I, <laughs> Another airline. Yeah. Yes. But where's the, the terminal for American? <laughs> I wonder how that works. Like, Can you just be like, hey, American, listen, my flight <laughs> is not you'd working. You'd probably just be like, hey, Frontier, you're going to put me on this other flight. And that's and they don't want the bad PR, so they're like, we're gonna put you on this other flight. <laughs> Too late <laughs> is essentially what what happens. Yeah. We don't. Because I mean, I don't PR. know if I'm getting back on a Frontier plane after that. I've I've flown Frontier before, and I, when I but it, my first time ever flying it, I was like, I don't know this. I was like, I'm really trusting just like my willpower <laughs> right now because I really was not sure. And now apparently engine caps fall off. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I know there's a lot of jokes about Frontier and Spirit, and a lot of it yes. comes because they're, they're the cheaper Yeah, they're, just, they're budget airlines. You don't get bags. The windows fall off. <laughs> Engines come off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you would expect from a budget airline. Yeah. You have to uh, inform every, like, <laughs> it's like if the one's out of gas and the uh, passenger on the back's like, hey, pilot, there's no <laughs> gas and we're going down. Yes, um... <laughs> Well, on that note, we wanted to end with something a little more lighthearted, um, just because the world's a little scary sometimes, you know? So on that, we're going to end for today, but I hope you guys have a great break, a great weekend, and then coming on next is Owl Country with Iris, so you hear more of her. So thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon.